0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of True Crime Cases. I'm your host, Allison Mendes, and today I am going to be updating you guys on everything that we have learned about the Gabby Petito case since we left last Friday. Now, a ton has happened, and if you somehow have not heard of this case or don't know what's going on, I would highly suggest going back to last week's episode where I covered the case from the beginning so that you're all caught up. I wanted to take a second to give everyone a huge thank you uh, to all those people who have taken the time to review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. I love seeing feedback from you guys, and the good feedback just makes me very, very happy and I really, really appreciate it. I also had a few people message me on Instagram this past week because I had a major glitch with the audio on several of my episodes. So thank you to the people that reached out and let me know so that I was able to get that resolved as quickly as possible. I really appreciate that. Okay, and that's it. So let's just dive right in. I wanted to insert a little audio really quick I just listened back on the episode I am currently I just have a really bad cold so I do sound super congested I'm really sorry to anyone this is going to drive insane Um, but I don't always sound like this I just wanted people to know that and apologize I just knew I needed to get this episode out so I didn't really have a choice on whether or not I recorded today so I'm sorry guys All right, so last week I posted my episode covering the Gabby Petito case, and literally within just a few hours, there was several major developments in the case. The biggest obviously being that we found out that Brian was quote, missing. So we saw police enter the laundry home. I remember I was watching live streams all night from outside of the home for like hours because we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if um, they had come to question Brian, if the family had called to finally be willing to speak with police. We had no idea, but obviously it was a big deal that the police were in the home. And at the end of the evening on Friday, the police made a statement and let us know that Brian was not in the home and that his parents had actually called the police to their home to report him missing. So that's when They told the North Point police that they had not spoken with their son since Tuesday of that week, which was September 14th. And they told police that he had left on Tuesday afternoon in his Ford Mustang and that he had his hiking backpack and he was headed for the Carlton Reserve. Now, the Carlton Reserve is a 24,565 acre preserve in Sarasota County, Florida, And the reserve has 80 miles of hiking, equestrian and biking trails. And the reserve also has a trail that connects the Carlton Reserve to the Mayaca River State Park. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I looked it up and that's what I found. Now Mayaca River State Park consists of 37,000 acres and is one of the largest parks in Florida. We also know that Brian is obviously no stranger to the outdoors, and in my opinion, I think it would be pretty easy for him to live off grid, although I don't know for how long. Now, a lot of people have been really upset with the fact that the police didn't have Brian under some sort of surveillance, or that they let him get away, but I just want to remind everyone that, at this point, it was still a missing persons case, and there was no evidence of a crime, And I know that it's frustrating, but at the same time, police were abiding by the law here. And we've seen so many cases where police jump the gun and there isn't evidence of a crime, but they think they know what happened. And that's really how you get innocent people being put behind bars. And no, I don't think that Brian is innocent personally. But for the sake of those innocent people out there, we do have to remember that, There are rules and regulations that police have to abide by, and although it's really frustrating when we all think we know what happened, there's obviously no way for us to always know what happened, and for that reason, it's better to, you know, follow the rules in those instances. So, moving on, Friday, the Laundries file a missing person report for their son, and after that, the hunt is, is really on. So the North Point Police Department, along with several other law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, Sarasota County Security Officer Office, Sarasota Police Station, Venice Police Station, and K9 Investigation and Rescue teams, all headed out to the Carlton Reserve area to search for Brian. And a police spokesperson said that the terrain they were searching was not only flooded up to the searchers' waist in many areas, but was also infested with crocodiles and snakes, according to the reporting on that by Roger Millian for Illinois News Today. So it's Florida swamps and it's, you know, got crocodile snakes, everything in there. It's really rough terrain that they're searching. Now, after they reported him missing, Brian's parents had also gone to pick up his Ford Mustang, which was found near the Carlton Reserve. And when they went to pick it up, I started seeing reports popping up about a note being left in the vehicle. And initially, I thought suicide note, because I just heard there was a note in the car. Now, after looking into that a little bit more, I found out that the note was actually a parking warning that had been left on the vehicle and that it had been there for several days. So basically what happened was Brian's parents actually went out to the Carlton Reserve area to look for Brian themselves on Wednesday. And that's when they found his car with the note on it. And they decided to leave the car one more night in case Brian did come back. But when he didn't come home and he wasn't home yet, on Thursday they went back out, picked up Brian's car, then proceeded to wait another full day before informing the police that he was, quote, missing. So three full days go by of Brian, if not four, of him leaving and not communicating with his parents any longer, and they didn't notify the police until about the fourth day. Now, sadly, on Sunday, September 19th, a body was found in Grand Teton National Park, And that night, law enforcement told the public they believed the body to be that of Gabby Petito based on physical characteristics. And later on, it was confirmed that it was, in fact, Gabby. So later on in the week, we found out that the coroner's initial findings were that Gabby's manner of death was homicide. But we still have to wait for the official report to be concluded to find out what the cause of death was. So I was one of those people that was for some reason still holding out hope that maybe her cause of death was accidental and something just went really wrong here. Um, but obviously that is not the case. Now on Monday morning around 10 a.m., the FBI executed a search warrant on the laundry's home. The agents were seen removing multiple boxes of evidence from the home and they also towed away Brian's Ford Mustang as evidence. The search warrant itself mentioned a computer hard drive, and it also addressed a strange text that Gabby's mom had received from Gabby's phone. Now, this is the text that I sort of brought up in last week's episode when I mentioned that Gabby's mom had said her daughter continued communication with her via text message all the way up to August 30th, but that she wasn't convinced it had actually been her daughter sending the actual texts. Now, this search warrant directly mentions this text. Apparently, on August 27th, Gabby's mom received a text from Gabby that said, quote, "'Can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls," end quote. Now, Stan is the name of Gabby's grandfather, but according to Gabby, or Gabby's mom, Gabby never calls her grandfather Stan, which is normal. And this led her to be a little concerned that something was going on with her daughter. And another thing mentioned in the search warrant was that text messages had shown there was tension growing between Gabby and Brian in the days leading up to her disappearance. I believe that they are referring to messages between Gabby and her mother again here, but I know they included the computer hard drive when citing these texts, so I'm assuming they're looking into those further. I know the last text message from Gabby to her mother said, quote, no service in Yosemite, end quote. Now, Yosemite is in, it's a national park and it is in California and it's over 800 miles from where they were at the time. I think that this is a mistake and whoever sent this text was actually referring to Yellowstone National Park, which is in Wyoming and I can't imagine that this was actually from Gabby because we know that sadly Gabby had never made it to Yellowstone now that her body had been found in Grand Teton. And I believe the plan was for them to head to Yellowstone after Grand Teton, but obviously her body was found there. So it's highly unlikely that Gabby is the one that sent that message. I, uh, It would be a straight up lie to send her mom that there was no service in Yosemite. So I just don't see that as being her. Now, Simultaneously, we have multiple law enforcement agencies searching for Brian. And I know at night they are having to end the search because there just isn't much they can do without daylight. But throughout the day, they are still searching the Carlton Reserve area, as well as doing aerial searches with drones, I believe. Now, something else that came out that was interesting was the release of the 911 call that led to the interaction that Brian and Gabby had with law enforcement on August 12th of this year in Moab, Utah. And I'm going to play that call for you guys right now. Grant County Sheriff's Office. Were able to get a description of the Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, uh, I'm calling. I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower and... We're driving by, and I'd like to report a domestic dispute to Florida with a white van. Florida license plate, white land. gentleman, five, six, beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a, uh, a right onto Main Street from a moonflower. Or what were they, they doing? Cooperative, but um, What would you say? What were they doing? Uh, we drove by, and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her? Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her, hopped in the car, and they drove off.
1: Okay, you said Uh, it's a
0: white van? White van. I can give you the license, but just give me one sec. I took a picture of it. So this paints a much different picture for me personally than what I initially gathered and what I previously said in last week's episode. Last week, it was my understanding that Gabby was the only one who had gotten physical and that Brian had maybe locked her out of the van in an attempt to get her to calm down. Now we're starting to get more insight into their relationship and that maybe they were having more serious issues than we initially thought and their relationship was clearly far from the ideal picture that they had painted on social media, which is normal and human nature. Like I said in last week's episode, you show the best parts off of your relationship and of yourself on social media. But things were obviously much darker than we initially thought behind the scenes. Now, diving deeper into that, I found an interview with the Daily Mail that a young woman named Rose did, and she actually met Gabby on Bumble Friends about two years ago when Gabby had relocated from New York to Florida to live with Brian and his family. Now, just to remind everyone, Gabby and Brian were both from New York State originally and had met, I believe, at the beginning of high school, and they were friends throughout. And just in the past few years, they had reconnected and officially started dating, I believe, around March of 2019. So when Gabby moved to Florida to be with Brian, she didn't know anyone local and hopped onto Bumble for friends to hopefully meet some people in the area and this is where she reached out to a young woman named Rose and the two of them became friends from there. Now Rose did not have the best things to say about Brian and in this interview she says quote he's got these jealousy issues and he struggles from what Gabby calls these episodes where he would hear things and hear voices and wouldn't sleep. He had this composure as a sweet, nice, caring guy, but you could tell he's a little off, a little weird. Like, he'd set up our hammocks when we go to the beach, but wouldn't sit with us, which I found bizarre, end quote. She goes on to say that Brian has a jealousy issue and that as far as she knew, she was Gabby's only friend in Florida, saying, quote, that's not because she can't make friends, he just didn't want her to have friends, end quote. She also said that her and Gabby shared each other's location on Find My Friends app, which is just basically where you allow someone to access your location based on where your phone is in real time in case they need it for whatever reason. It's very normal to share that with friends, close friends, and family, at least to me. Well, when Brian found out that Rose and Gabby were sharing their location with each other, he apparently wasn't having it and he actually made Gabby stop sharing her location with Rose and Rose said quote I didn't push the issue because I didn't want it to cause an argument with him he was always worried she was going to leave him it was a constant thing to try to get us to stop hanging out he'd demand she'd be home for dinner often cut our time short he'd demand to pick her up from my house even when I had a car and offered to drive end quote Rose went on to reference a specific night that she and Gabby were supposed to go out line dancing for a ladies night type of thing, and that on Gabby's way to Rose's house, which she said was about a 30-minute drive, Gabby realized that her ID was missing. So basically what's being insinuated here is that Brian had taken Gabby's ID out of her wallet without her knowing because he did not want her to go out. She said that when Gabby finally got to her house that night, that Gabby was hysterical and actually told her that she was so upset that she slapped him and that Brian had pushed her. So Rose went on to say that she felt like Gabby was holding back from telling her the full story of what actually happened during that fight, but that Gabby just wouldn't open up and wouldn't tell her what had fully happened. She went on to say that their arguments just continued to become more frequent and that Gabby felt like she couldn't do anything right in the relationship. Rose also said that Gabby had to stay at her house on multiple occasions just to avoid going home to Brian because she needed a break. Now this is all before Gabby and Brian got engaged in July of 2020 and you'll remember from last week's episode that I mentioned at some point after this engagement Brian and Gabby had to decided to call off the engagement because they felt like maybe they were too young to be getting so serious. And that's what Gabby's mom had said was the reason as well. I personally would not be surprised to learn that Gabby had been the one to lean into that decision a little more than Brian. From the way things are sounding, this was an extremely unhealthy relationship and very toxic. Brian sounds extremely controlling and oftentimes Controlling behavior can escalate to physical and emotional abuse, which it sounds like there had already been a couple of those types of arguments, and we all know how quickly domestic abuse can escalate. Sadly, we've seen it countless times, and I really think that unfortunately that's exactly what we're seeing here. It's very possible that this cross-country trip in a van made the issues that the couple were having impossible for Gabby to ignore any longer and maybe if she brought up the possibility of her leaving the relationship especially at a time where they had been arguing and things had been tense between the two for a few days like it had been building up on August 12th and we saw it sounds like Brian had some mental illness on top of that if he's having episodes and hearing voices and noises. So it's very likely that Brian could have snapped if Gabby brought up the possibility of them no longer being together. But of course, right now, this is all speculation and we don't know what really happened. Now, August 29th was Rose's birthday and she said that Gabby and her were supposed to have a phone call that day and make plans for when Gabby returned from her trip. And this is the first prior engagement or set of plans that Gabby misses or doesn't show up for. And this is another thing that adds on to why Gabby's mom decided to reach out to law enforcement and report her daughter missing. Now, August 29th is also the day that Brian gets a ride from a couple. A young woman named Miranda Baker took to her TikTok when she saw Gabby's case and said in a video that she and her boyfriend were in Grand Teton National Park and actually picked up Brian Laundrie, who was a stranger to them at that time, around 5.30 p.m. on August 29th. She said that Brian approached them in the Coulter Bay area of Grand Teton and asked if he could hitch a ride with them, to which they agreed. Miranda said that before Brian got in her Jeep, that he offered to pay the couple $200 for the ride and she found that odd since they had already agreed to give him a ride and I believe they were heading in the same direction and she said it was only a 10 mile drive or so. She said that Brian told them that he had been camping for multiple days without his fiance, so he did mention his fiance and he said that his fiance was working on their social media page from a different location or campsite. He might've mentioned the van. Miranda also said that when she told Brian they were headed towards Jackson, Wyoming, which is about an hour drive from Coulter Bay, according to maps when I looked it up. So I don't understand the 10 mile versus hour drive situation, but she said that when she told him that, that Brian freaked out and insisted they pulled over immediately and let him out of the Jeep. And she said they pulled over and dropped him off at the Jackson Dam at 6.09 PM and that He said he was going to try and hitch a ride with someone else. She also mentioned that he was wearing a backpack, a long sleeve shirt, pants, hiking boots, and that he had some scruff, but that he didn't look dirty like she would expect someone to look if they had been camping in the wilderness for the past few days like Brian had claimed. Now, multiple law enforcement agencies had been searching for Brian all week long with no luck, and they even brought in a dive team on Wednesday this week to help assist with the search, but unfortunately nothing has turned up and there were no signs of Brian anywhere. Now, on Thursday, the FBI announced that they had issued an arrest warrant for Brian in relation to a grand jury indictment for his, quote, activities following the death of Gabrielle Petito. According to Tim Fitzsimmons reporting for the NBC News online, the FBI alleges that Brian, quote, knowingly and with intent to defraud, used one or more unauthorized access devices, namely a Capital One bank debit card, end quote, and personal identification numbers for two accounts. The special agent in charge for the FBI on this case, Michael Snyder, also released a statement pertaining to the new arrest warrant, saying, quote. While this warrant allows law enforcement to arrest Mr. Laundrie, the FBI and our partners across the country continue to investigate the facts and circumstances of Miss Petito's homicide. We urge individuals with knowledge of Mr. La- Laundry's role in this matter or his current whereabouts to contact the FBI, end quote. So basically, they're just making it very clear that this warrant is not related to Gabby's death itself, but rather the activities that followed her death. And I believe that the... Capital One bank card that they're referring to. I saw somewhere that he withdrawn over $1,000 and I believe it's Gabby's debit card um, that he was using. Now, since Brian was reported missing last week up until now, there have been a few sightings that I just wanted to go over just to clear those up for you if you've heard about them also. So the day Brian was being reported missing by his parents pictures surfaced of a man fitting Brian's description walking in the neighborhood about two blocks from the laundry home. This has not been confirmed to be Brian and the police I believe are still looking into this but I know that they did make a statement saying that the man in the photo has a tattoo on his left arm and Brian does not so it is unlikely to be him but they are looking into it just to confirm that. In my personal opinion I don't think that that was Brian. He aside from the tattoo, he would have to be incredibly stupid to be walking around his neighborhood while his parents are reporting him missing. It just does not make sense for him to be doing that. The next sighting was a man that was caught on a trail cam in Okaloosa County, Florida, and I'm sure you guys have seen these photos. This has been confirmed as a false sighting and was not Brian. Now, apparently, specifically on Monday of this week, dozens of tips came in about Brian being in Alabama and sites of Brian, specifically, I believe, in the Mobile, Alabama area. Now, on Monday, there were reports that a man's body had been found in a dumpster of a Walmart in Alabama and that the man had committed suicide but that turned out to be false as well. It, was, it wasn't it was completely false, but it wasn't Brian. And the police reported that it was actually, sadly, a homeless man's body that they had found in the dumpster. Now, a couple did come forward recently that said they saw both Gabby and Brian in a restaurant in Wyoming called Mary Piglets just hours before Gabby was last seen or heard from. They claimed that Brian had gotten into an explosive argument with a waitress at the restaurant. And although they couldn't hear what was being said, the couple believed that the argument was over the bill, like the amount of it. And they said that Brian's body language was very aggressive and that after he turned to leave the restaurant, he actually left but then came back inside like four more times to just drag that argument out. And that at one point, Gabby herself actually came back in to apologize for his behavior. And police have not confirmed whether or not this sighting was in fact Gabby and Brian or not. Although when being interviewed by Fox News, the man in the couple that came forward said that he would bet $10 million that it was them. And he was a thousand percent positive of what he'd seen. So take that for what it is. So now... I wanted to kind of ask what you guys think about everyone's opinion on Brian's parents as far as if they should be held accountable by law enforcement. I have not seen this many people upset with the family of a suspected perpetrator in a while, so I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are on that. Let me know in the comments on social media if you guys think that they should be charged with something and what they should be charged with. And I also wanna know what you guys think as far as Brian's location. I am honestly leaning to him not being in the Carlton Reserve at all. Um, I understand that the area they're covering is super vast and the terrain is incredibly challenging, but I just am not sure if Brian is even in that area. It's crazy to me that with all of the law enforcement agencies out there searching, including drones and canines, that we haven't found like one trace of him. It seems unlikely to me that Brian would have be able to bring enough food and water to support him for this long and moving on foot as well, I just find it really hard to believe that he hasn't been cited yet and that law enforcement hasn't at least caught up to him or something like that. I'm starting to wonder if his parents reported this as a sort of distraction for law enforcement because that's a huge area to be covering and it would be likely that Brian would be out there since he's so outdoorsy. Um but I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. That's obviously all speculation and conjecture. None of that is proven. Now I wanted to end the episode talking about Gabby. We still do not have a cause of death. I was really holding out on recording this episode today, hoping that it would be released before the episode came out, but so far we haven't heard anything official other than The initial manner of death was homicide, but we don't know what the cause of death is yet. I know that Gabby's stepfather laid down a stone cross where Gabby's body was found. I will post that picture on social media. I believe the family is expected to make a statement when Gabby is returned home. And I will continue to update everyone on this case. I know that Brian Enton reported or tweeted out that memorial visitation for Gabby Petita will be happening on Sunday from 12 to five at Maloney's Holbrook Funeral Home, which is 825 Main Street, Holbrook, New York. And the zip code is 11741. And that will be open to the public if anyone wants to go pay their respects to Gabby. Um, you are more than welcome to go do that. And that is pretty much all we know right now. I want to uh, say that I have covered several cases that are really current and ongoing, just like Gabby's. And some of these victims have not been found, and that includes Summer Wells and Orin and Orson West. So if you haven't heard about these cases, Summer Wells got a ton of press, so you probably have heard of her case. Orin and Orson, unfortunately, haven't. Um, They're two little boys who our brothers, and they went missing um, from Central California around Chris, a few days before Christmas last year. So it's a shorter episode because there's not a ton of information. But if you have time, I would highly suggest you go listen to that and spread their pictures and their cases around social media. Tell your friends about it and just try to spread a little bit awareness about these people that could still really use our help. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. You can find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at True Crime Cases Pod and on Twitter at TC Cases Pod. As usual, all my sources for this episode will be linked in the show notes. I hope you all have a very safe weekend and I will be back next Friday with a brand new episode.